Hello, all of my dear, dear friends, book lovers, and people who might be checking this out for the first time. Uh, we are the Annie Gamers Book Club, and we are filled with the desire to read a light novel and then discuss its merits on this fine little program. Uh, it's me, Anaki, uh, obviously, and uh, with me is always my dearest, most beloved friend, the one and only David Estrella. Nastiest of hosts, <laughs> most disgusting of little podcasters <sighs> who have ever just crawled out of a, of a sewer. That's at least how I feel like these days. Not to horribly date this podcast to a specific moment in time, but um, David is currently recovering from the effects of novel coronavirus. Yeah, let me tell you, this was one shit-ass novel, so. <laughs> um, not... Not not cool, not fun, not good. Uh, if you're avoiding it, continue avoiding it. If you already caught it, well, you know, I guess we're all part of the same club now. Yeah, I'm just I'm going to sound a little bit different, probably. It's probably all the uh, fluid buildup inside of my lungs that are making me sound like this. So, yeah, we're just going to cruise on through like it's all normal. At least that's what the U.S. government wants to, you know, get through to all, all Like It's just it's fine. Just continue like normal. Just don't panic. The economy will save us all. Uh, anyway, so we read Tear Moon Empire. Uh, oh wow! Speaking of speaking of like uh, <laughs> failing states, <laughs> <laughs> end yeah. of nations. Really, like on the subject of yeah, just like countries fucking dying in the arse. <laughs> yeah, wow. This ended up being a lot more topical than I thought it was. Yeah, we're finally doing Tear Moon Empire. All of you people who said, "Hey, you should do Tear Moon Empire." David Strayer. What's up? What did you think of Tim and Empire? Broad broad strokes. Broad strokes, broad strokes. Uh, I was on board for like the first 30% of the book before it became just kind of like rote uh, shoujo manga tropes. I was kind of expecting a little bit more, honestly. Like the, the I guess the premise was cool enough like i i always uh have a soft spot in my heart for stories that go hey character you messed up big time wouldn't you love to go back and get a chance to like fix all that shit that you fucked up but like do it for do it for real this time with all you know like all this per- extra perspective and everything i'm like yeah you know i love i love stories like that and i like i like the vibe in the opening it's not it's not afraid to like just kind of push it like you know go go into absurd territory for the sake of comedy like it's a comedy right like it's it's supposed to be funny black comedy but comedy nonetheless is most effective is when it just doesn't like really coddle its characters or you know their inevitable fates when things uh if things don't change right like that's just a persistent thing like if you don't get off your but and really make a effort to do things differently this time this is what's going to happen and here's a very vivid memory of something very unpleasant that has happened so the concept that is basically uh yeah what if um what if you were a royal during like the french revolution right but it's like it's not like it's not france it's light novel france yeah, it's it's, it's the not Tia the french Moon revolution empire, the titular Tia Moon empire and our character me is a stand-in for certain famous person from history anyone who ever started their life out as the top of the pile the monarchy the aristocracy and ended their life in front of a revolutionary mob and so mia luna tia moon gets 
thrown into a dungeon and then executed and then is magically transported back to when she was 12 years old and there's a ticking time bomb where she has to redo her life and do it all to avoid the horrible things that are going to happen in her future and that's the basic tension of this story yeah and she really just goes kind of all out in the beginning it really does yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, it. I mean, that's funny, right? Because like, it's like starting like a new game plus, but you still mm. got like all your levels and your weapons and everything. So like you walk up to like the first starter boss and you just bop him right in the head. It's like instant death, blown away to smithereens. My, one of my favorite bits that they did in Tear Moon Empire was, was when she's, um, she's like talking to some, like, she's got like approach like some nerd, like some taxes nerd, some really just like some, some geek who's just like thinking about the numbers and he's a bureaucrat yeah it's just like he, he he's the first one that's aware he's the first one that's aware that like things are going south uh inevitably like eventually and like enough time that it's not a problem just yet but he realizes you know the country keeps on going on this path things are going to be real bad everybody i mean like everybody like kind of just hates the uh the royalty over there right like i mean they're like they're either useless they spend a lot of money but you just have to like pretend like oh yeah i mean this is like we need we need we need them right we need these princesses and, and things right but like ludwig is just too pre she's really preoccupied with like the the practical side of things right like you know making sure like that the country isn't spending more than it's actually earning so he feels like okay i'm gonna get my ire out yeah ludwig is focused on trying to make sure they have enough food and aren't going broke and that all of these these horrible things that Mia now knows will definitely happen in the future if she doesn't do something about it. Yeah, she's got like firsthand experience now with all this stuff, but she can't really explain to anybody like what's actually going on <laughs> with her. But uh, she is aware, like, okay, I gotta step in and start, you know, making moves at twelve years old. So she walks up to this guy because she's like assuming like, okay, you know, he seems like he's um uh... oh wait, no, she remembers him actually as like being one of like the last people around, like actually trying to turn things around in those last moments. Uh so she has like a good recollection of like this guy's role, but she's still twelve years old right now, so uh <laughs> when Ludwig is all like oh she's just 12 years old and she's a dumb brat I'm just like I'm gonna put her in her place she steps up and she like completely breaks down like everything that is going to happen if things persist the way that they are that they are going and she does it with just like such eloquence and grace that like Ludwig is convinced like oh, okay we have like God God has arrived in the form of this 12 year old girl she's gonna fix everything she she just she knows she's so smart she's so intelligent She's so this, that, and everything. But what makes it funnier is because Mia's just parroting back things that Ludwig was saying, yeah. like, in her timeline. So it's like, Ludwig is actually just being, like, really, like, an egomaniac, but he's not aware of what he's doing. He's just hearing his own thoughts parroted back at him, like, ten years later. And also, I think, like, Mia even goes, like, a bit further in to, like, things that, like, he hadn't even, like, thought of yet, like, the, the possibility of outbreak of disease in in the slums. And he's like, this was, like, this was the missing piece. It's like, but he doesn't know that it was, like, that was the missing piece. That wasn't a problem until, like, it actually happened in Mia's lifetime. So it's like, this is this is what I mean. Like, when it's, when Tear Moon is good, it's really 
good when it like it can manipulate its whole premise into you know pushing pushing it right like really just like going all in on a joke right like so mia we're set up to believe like oh okay so like mia mia is just a, a dumb 12 year old brat and like when she is reborn she isn't like she isn't immediately like oh i gotta become a saint now i just have to <laughs> i i just have to like become you know like a like a proper like storybook or joe sama type of person uh no she's like she's just still thinking about like sweets and things like little like you know candies and cakes and things like she was just she was locked up in a dungeon for years and like when she reawakens she doesn't have like she has pretty <laughs> she doesn't have PTSD. like that moment yet <laughs> Yeah, but she doesn't have like she doesn't have like the moment yet she's just like she's still like caught up in like you know Oh, it's just like a bad dream, you know. I'll just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have like a servant bring me some cake or something. You know, the cake mm. will really get like the gears going. She does clue in eventually, like what's going on. Like, and they do give some amount of time for like all of that to start catching up with her. But when she has to like maneuver a situation where she has to like talk to people that she's never met in her life before, but she knows very clearly what role they're gonna play in her destiny which is like often like most of the people that she remembers they're the ones putting the the dagger in right they're the they're the ones like standing to the side watching the guillotine come down yeah that's that's the uh, that's the plot for now um and i was like i was saying like really jazzed up about this but then they send mia to school and that's when i felt things really pumped the brakes that's it. i see i really liked all of that stuff and i completely agree with you that like you know like mia in the future is kind of the scapegoat for larger problems and the people pushing for red revolution really single her her out even though you know she is it is it is her fault but obviously there's larger things going on and there is this really interesting confluence of these two very popular very kind of powerful light novel tropes put together which is the the breezy fantasy of well if i could go back in time i'd do it all differently and my life would be completely different and i'd solve everything with my foreknowledge and that is attached to this like extremely grim like if i don't figure all of this out it's my head on a pike and also um, a lot of the people that she meets are like the standards of the society are rock bottom and anything that she does that isn't just bratty and selfish everyone was like wow this is a true leader that i'm gonna follow for the rest of my life yeah like everybody just like falls over themselves to like align themselves with mia by the end you always get her internal monologue as well she's always focused on the same thing which is survival <laughs> and she's also like she, i mean she's like trying to do all all this sort of stuff that like you would probably expect more from like some sort of like once in a not even once in a lifetime like once every like thousand two thousand years type mm. of like just this brilliant leader type right like yeah. somebody who they would probably erect like a gigantic statue out just like out in front of like the town but this is i mean this is this is mia right they didn't really have like any expectations for mia at this point like mia is just like one of many other pampered royals and like all the people that she has like a really bad impression of from like the first round of doing things they're all like kind of normal right they're like surprisingly normal and then she'll like tell like a story of like how i guess like how they were like radicalized yes and it was her. like it's always like it's always like shit like she thinks it's like oh it's because 
It's because like this girl didn't have like the right dress for the dance, so she got like really upset. But then like there were circumstances involved that made her meet like the guy who was also going to like start spearheading the revolution and everything. It's like she's trying to see like the pieces move, like all the movements that they got to make to get to where they were. And she's realizing, like, oh man, it was like really dumb stuff. It was like really like stupid coincidences that put all of this into place. But now Mia's gotta like Mia's gotta play along, right? Like, so if like if it's if it's like a school dance that it like it is like starting up the embers of revolution, then Mia Mia's gotta play along like a, like just like a child, right? She can't like I mean she can't like send, you know, her guards to like do all this stuff, right? Like she can't just like bash like, you know, some some uh <laughs> some of her rivals' heads in for no reason. She's like she's gotta she's actually gotta like play along and she's like gotta present like I have to like be the type of person that people admire and like wanna be friends with. But then she sees, like, how hard that is, too. (laughs) Yeah, there's no pleasing everyone. She's trying desperately to do the right thing, but it's not always clear what the right thing is. See, actually, I I would put this in the upper echelon of light novels that we read, and I I really do like that the, you know, the high school kind of shoujo margarita stuff that you didn't like. I loved that all of this stuff is so consequential. I, I don't mind the shoujo manga tropes so much, and just the fact that, like, you have all of these things of, like, oh, let's make the boys lunch, and, you know, who gets invited to to the ball, and all of this stuff that, Man, like... they spent, like, fucking 50 pages talking about boys' lunches. See, I thought that was cute, but all you of this stuff... You love food, though, like, that's a problem, like... <laughs> I do, and I love like, food in fantasy like specifically food, as well. Like, food, I mean, I think you have, like, a high school setting thing as well. Yeah, um, high school settings, love what them, else? brilliant never get bored of them yeah i i I mean like yeah i mean it's like it's specifically more like up to your your taste i was like they gave me they gave me a little taste in the beginning of like where like the potential of the book was and i was like hoping for just give me give me a little bit more but then it's like it's just very normal right like the I almost felt like the um like the time travel thing was inconsequential almost by the end because like now now like Mia is so involved in actually becoming a decent person in the eyes of her potential rivals who also like end up being friends as well and there's like surprises right like Mia's learning to live again as a person I'm like this is all well and good but I just I kind of want like that Konosuba esque style of of, like just ridiculousness uh, that they showed me at the beginning uh, yeah i guess and like and also like there's kind of like no conclusion as well to volume one i suppose there's no conclusion but if things are gonna continue happening and it's the future right and the mm. fact that she's mm-hmm. breaking new ground is gonna <clears throat> cause her more problems and they even say at one point she has like her her diary that she wrote while she was in prison that's covered in her own blood from when she was executed and she can go back through the pages and see like well i did i did these things but i still ended up executed at the end of it um and so she's trying desperately to find ways to avoid that horrible fate yeah it almost felt for like a second that they forgot about the diary (laughs) it was like 
it was important in the beginning and then you know once she gets to school it's like where's the diary well she's still she's still kind of like putting trying to put these pieces together right i a thing that it conveyed to the reader that i liked a lot is history is kind of this impossibly complex web of cause and effect and you know small small changes having big outcomes later on and mia's absolute desperation to avoid this horrible thing happening not just to her but to her entire country and what adjustments she makes and then the kind of knock-on effects of those that's the thing is that like everything in this has such dire consequences and you have something like um uh onisama a the the dazaki anime adaptation of a manga i think it was originally where like all of these petty teenage problems play out on this impossibly melodramatic stage of significance where it reflects how those things can feel if you're if you're a young person whether or not the actual consequences of them are as big as you might feel that they are but in mm. this all of these uh, all of these little things all of these rich kids at their rich kids school bumping into each other has extremely dire consequences and she hasn't really managed to to solve anything she's managed to maybe push it a few years out she's managed to to maybe like not have some of it happen but it still happens in the end i really liked mia as a character she's not particularly you know, sympathetic in kind of the traditional sense, but I found her to be a very compelling, very sympathetic character. I I really wanted her to win and survive and make a life for herself that was something other than being thrown in a dungeon. And there's something uniquely uniquely horrible about someone going through a completely justified punishment someone really just having to live through the consequences of their actions you know if the the villain dies at the end of the story it can be kind of like trite and kind of like whatever you know and if a character is going through something that they don't deserve it's kind of sappy and and kind of hard to take seriously and that's a that's a complaint we had about like torture princess where it was all of this made-up fantasy nonsense that you were meant to take yeah baby hitler yeah you were meant to take like very very seriously my heart bled for princess mia luna tiamun even though her suffering was very much of her own making i i wanted to see her win i wanted to see her survive and she's just really yeah i mean that's the most relatable part of it the most relatable part of it is that the main character is like a big time fuck up and it's like well you know, this is this is this is the fantasy, right? Can get another crack at it, right? All this knowledge of where things end up, because sometimes like person doesn't even know, right? Like it's just there are some things that are going to be out of control in a person's life, or they just they weren't perceptive enough to be clued in. Like so, I mean, like what I mean, what makes it really funny is like the people for me, like what I was noticing is like all the people that she felt are like the villains in her story are like you get like the perfect girl right like she's like she's so nice and proper and mia's original timeline like she was destined to meet like this also like this really like perfect and proper boy at school who mia mia wanted that for herself mia mia's a brat right and like these these are like the kinds of personalities where like they they would really clash her direct rival and her love interest they're like they're actually like properly how 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 would you describe them like they're very focused on being leaders they they have that 
at the front yeah. of her mind. Which There's is like why they will, to that. Yeah, yeah. Which is why they will later invade. She knows that they're going to lead the revolution and invade the yeah. Moon Empire and take over yeah. and have her executed. Like they're actually bright, they're actually talented and capable and all these things. And it's like I mean, as like as a reader who looking for, you know, something to grasp onto in the story, I'm like, barf, but you know, Mia Mia's interesting though. Like Mia's got all this stuff going on with her. So like at least like when they're bouncing off with Mia, Mia's given them something to 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 react to, right? So the difference is that they all have these really high ideals, but they haven't been tested. And Mia formerly had no ideals and yeah. was on the receiving end of what her belief system gave to her. You know, they're they're all there to kind of learn statecraft and learn how to be an effective ruler, supposedly, and to to make all of these connections and relationships that will really because it seems like everybody is there to just like join the card club and gamble. <laughs> well it's like i mean a, that's like the impression that i get right like it like these sorts of schools like you get a lot well, of shitty brats getting in there there to be learning statecraft and they, <laughs> they're, they like have, they're the like, nerds that are actually learning stuff yeah. but <laughs> and those are the people yeah. that send mia to the chopping block <laughs> but none of them have been um none of them have been tested yet none of them have had to put all any of their theories to use in a real life situation yet and mia knows that she has to keep them all on side as much as she can because if she doesn't they will kill her but you don't i mean you don't get any like that seriousness just yeah in this first of all I mean, you just get I like lunches you get lunches you get like ninja like butlers and stuff who like they they can just jump around and put a bunch of what like heavily about? armed guards to sleep remember at the dance there's like the guards and, oh, and yeah. stuff and they're like they're trying to like you the, know the they're trying Valid, to fuck up Keithwood. yeah keithwood keithwood like he just he seems like he's too old to be hanging around all these kids he's he's also like 13 or 14 right he's he's like the same no age as he's like 16 17 like that's why i felt like you know, she's like you're too old yeah, fair enough. too old i had a feeling you wouldn't like this one i liked it a lot and i was like i don't, I don't know if they were gonna like this <laughs> <laughs> uh, was there anything you liked about it <laughs> um well i saw okay so not related to this volume but like i saw some posts about it on the discord um which is like just like some some snippets from like other volumes that come up and i read those i, I read the i read those bits and i was like Okay, what the fuck happens in this story? Like, what magic? What? Like, what? What is? What is happening? Like, wh- who are? What? What? When did we get into this part of the story? Because like, volume one just doesn't demonstrate any of that. Like, I, when I was, when I said like, it felt slow. I mean, like, I honestly thought we were gonna like just be making lunches like from volume to volume. It was just gonna be like fucking Hidamari sketch or something. It is kind just of thinking about you food. <laughs> It is kind of the curse of yeah, the Anagams. Anagams Scratch is a different vibe, though. <laughs> it is kind of the curse of the Anagams book club that we most often read first first volumes and don't really get to see where the story goes, uh, unless one of our dear patrons or Discord members would like to say, hey, why don't you revisit this? In which case, we would. But um, Yeah, it doesn't matter if we liked it or not. Like, we'd have to, we'd have to read it. 
The first volume tends to be a lot of setup and a lot of um, working out some some ideas and kind of stretching your muscles and setting up stuff for later because light novels are light novels. They're very, very short. They're very, very concise and you can't always fit all of your ideas that you have into them. But I haven't read further in and I have no idea what comes next. Yeah, I don't know. I really, really enjoy that. I like this one a lot. I, I would put this in the upper tier of light novels that we've read for the show. I love Princess Mia Lunatia Moon. I love her constant, unending struggle to try and be nice to people. I think it handles a flawed character better than some of the other light novels that we've read. Yeah, I was like kind of halfway on this book. Parts of it are right. Parts of it are just like not my thing, personally. I'm happy for you if you like the book. Sounds like it goes into some wild places in the future. I was just kind of thinking it was going to be like kind of kind of like the like those RTS games where like you have to like build up a civilization. Well, I don't know what those are called, but like you know you know the ones, right? You know the ones where like it's super broken and like people find exploits to like just like put all their resources into like just having like the most like jacked up civilization possible. You know the ones. You mean like a like a not not an RTS, but like a turn-based strategy, like Crusader Kings or Civilization or something. Yeah, I kind of expect. I mean, I kind of expected something ridiculous like that, right? It was just like, okay, well, I mean, with the gift of foresight, how about we just make uh, this country like an actual like best country ever? You know, like just real twelve-year-old brain about it. Well, uh, it's not 12-year-old brain, it's 20-year-old brain that spent three years in a dungeon and is trying <laughs> desperately. God, there was a point where they were like, oh, the plague was so bad, 10% of the population got it. And I was like, oh man, 2018, so naive, mm-hmm. so innocent. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of really interesting characters in this as well. I liked Ludwig, I liked Anne, I liked the various nobles from the various noble houses who all had their own kind of, their own culture, their own thing going on like the girl from peru and uh, the side story she's from peru right it, that, that didn't really make sense what what are you talking about there's a girl in the there's a girl in the side story where it's like uh she's gonna she's gonna do like a little cheeky type of <laughs> type of prank on on mia because she's supposed to like host like this um this dinner like oh tea yeah party she's, from the, she's from the agricultural community that the the tier moon empire culturally look down on people who do agriculture um, and so this this lady is used to being mistreated by the Tier Moon Empire nobles. Mia showing up is just like the thing she never expected to happen in a million years, and in fact did not in the the previous timeline. But you know, this Mia is very interested in agriculture and how she can feed her kingdom. Yeah, and it's like the I mean the whole the whole uh, twist is that like the expired the expired treats that she had set out are actually like uh, miracles of preserving food like first of all like preserving food right like nobody really had any idea about that sort of thing mm. so yeah um it was like it was a nice contained story right like you know we got it was a breath of fresh air from the dang school just being stuck in there for like more than half a book and it seems like it's uh actually productive in Mia's quest to not bungle everything right like ensuring that there's going to be food for the country because they know like food's going to be 
bit scarce. Well, you get the you you know you get the idea that most of the nobles are st- trying to put their the landowners are doing something else with their land because it is seen as undesirable in the Tiamun Empire to grow food, and yeah. so each when year their food production grows down, lawns. and they have to they have to import more and more of their food, which stretches the national treasury. And all of these things are going into the extremely difficult times that will lead to Mia being guillotined. I like the writing of this a lot as well. You know, some of the chapters are like a page and a half long, but very impactful. Yeah, a lot of chapters. I really appreciate it. Just really breaking it breaking it up into easily consumable little chunks mm. of, of writing. Sometimes we'll get like a book and it'll be like, it's three chapters long and over 200 pages. And I'm yeah. like, God, I'm going to have to like just read the whole chapter now. You know, I really just have to like sit down read a big old part of the book wrapping up final thoughts final thoughts well, I mean, my final thoughts are more connected to the book that we're gonna read next <laughs> that's where my final thoughts are at where are your final thoughts you're still in the book right so yeah. well, you should you should share i really enjoyed this i would absolutely put this in the the upper tier of light novels that we have read such an interesting confluence of different tropes uh really really interesting impactful writing all of the characters bouncing off one another and having these wild misunderstandings about what each of their separate intentions are such an interesting cast such an interesting premise and I I love Princess Mia Luna Tiamun. I feel very, very uh, strongly for that character and for her desperate, desperate quest to not end up executed via guillotine. And this is this is really good. And if you are looking for like a light novel that's a little bit more ambitious than some of your regular light novel stuff, I think this is this is a good one. It doesn't push the boat out super far like Sinisio and stuff or JK Haro or something, but it, it is definitely very well rounded and, and very well thought out. And I enjoyed it immensely and I would love to see where this story goes because I have some, <laughs> based on what you said, I have some feelings that it gets, uh, it broadens a bit. It gets a bit more, a bit more wild and funky and I, I would be excited to see that. Oh, and it also had the quote uh, in it, the one thing that all book lovers have in common is their desire for post-book discussion. And if that isn't a thesis <laughs> statement for the Annie Gamers Book Club, I don't know what is. And I was considering, oh, I was considering making that the new intro, but considering that you hated this one, I don't, th- I don't think I'm going to do that. Oh, hate's a bit dramatic, right? You know, we're not, I mean, we're not. You were bored by it. You didn't like any of the characters. You didn't like the school stuff, and you were pretty negative on it. So I'm not going to. As much as I like that quote, I'm not going to make it a permanent fixture of the hbc gotta be i mean you know sometimes sometimes we're gonna be on a crossroads when when we're talking about books right like you gotta go one way i gotta go the other way i mean you could you don't have to go the other way you could agree with me i normally don't normally i normally i normally go not agreeing with you on stuff Sometimes we agree, though. Sometimes we can agree. It's just like this is going to be one of those situations where we're just not going to agree. But I w- I'm going to peacefully go on my, um, where, you know, where the road forks. I'm going to go take my fork and you're going to take your fork. I'm, I mean, I'm going to say, like, some good ideas in here. Kind of would have wanted to see a little bit more focus, I think, on just getting things moving faster, right? Because, like, it, I felt that it suggested a much faster pace at the beginning and then like we just kind of had to settle into a single setting for all this background on all these characters that are probably gonna be 
pretty important coming up volume two volume three but yeah i guess i'll rely on you to inform me if there's anything particularly remarkable that will happen in later volumes not for me but it's probably got its audience somewhere i mean i found an audience with you it did indeed well what are we doing next time david australia we're going back into the shit going back you don't know you don't know stick our hands you don't know that stick our hands back in the mud you don't know that uh we're going we're gonna read min maxing my trpg build in another world i'm i'm putting this one out there this one's gonna be my fault uh in case it's bad i'm putting this one out there because like i follow i followed this artist like a while ago and they've always been like posting like just like horny stuff and i'm like okay that's cool and then i realized like oh wait this is part of like a light novel and I was like, oh, maybe they have it in English. And I checked and I was like, oh, okay, they do have it in English. Uh, so, you know. So you made this decision based gotta go on the basis. On your own horny is what you're telling me. Got to go, gotta go on the basis. I mean, they're doing horny spiders, horny centaurs. Like, they go, I mean, they go, they go in. They go in on the, uh, the meat of light novels, right? Like, you know, like the trashy stuff. So I felt like Tear Moon had a certain degree of class to it. Now, now we got to go on the other side of the scale. We got to go on the other side of the scale. We got to go back to the stuff that I feel is more, more along the lines of what's expected of a light (laughs) novel. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, I might hate this one. (laughs) I might hate this one more. (laughs) We can never, we can never tell. You hated she professed herself the pupil of the wise man. That was also, that was also your choice. Yeah, we both hated that one. one. Well, Ugh, it is time once again for the recommendations corner, where we tell you something we've been enjoying lately that is not a light novel. Recommendations corner. corner. We don't have a jingle yet. No, we don't have a jingle for for anything. No, we don't. Half and half, half assing it all the way. I I would like to think that we're we're keeping it fresh. You know, it's like Strong Bad email where he has a different email song every week. David Strayer. What have you been enjoying yeah, recently? What's Not Chrono Cross, the Radical <laughs> Dreamers edition for Nintendo Switch. <laughs> oh, this has been a saga. Holy shit. God. Every time everything every time like I think I'm good, I'm like I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And I'll just remember it again. I'll be like, ah fuck. <laughs> it was really revealing when you were like, I was playing this game and I started reading the dialogue in your Uncle Nax's voice. Because I was so pissed off with it, and I could imagine you mocking it in my head. <laughs> See, I'm laughing. I'm laughing when you remind me of my own take on it. Because there was there was some stuff in there that was like very clearly like that was an alley oop for you. If you were if you were in the room with me, I could have like just overheard you, like doing doing like that like weedly voice and like in my ear. It's like you know you you know you know you do the when you do the voice like just like like that like just that intolerable nerd voice right yeah. like the one yeah. you know the one who's like really like dropping knowledge bombs on you but it's like that's like no it's not smart it's not intelligent yeah. it's just yeah anyway i'm not here to recommend chrono cross like chrono cross is a, that's its own podcast that i just i'm i really don't want to record that one look out for the agcc See the AC Triple C, the Anagram's Chrono Cross Club, where we'll break down Chrono Cross for all you fine people. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how much demand there is for that. Um, <laughs> Zero demand. Uh, to watch to watch the taste out of out of my mouth. I'm playing Vampire Survivors. Oh hell yeah! Like crazy. I've been playing like crazy Vampire Survivors, and actually, I got I got Min 
Shout out to Evan at Vampo Minto for putting me on to Vampire Survivors because that game was in fact three goddamn dollars. I think I have more hours in it now than men, and I've only had it for like a week. <laughs> I've been I've been really I've been really enjoying it. It's, I think it might be Coming my again. third favorite game of the year. Oh wow! Okay, Elden Ring and Arceus both came out this year, so it's like those are solid. Those are like those are one two. But I guess those came from expected like places and yeah. No, this one was just like out of, yeah. out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't really give it the time of day until uh, Evan. Like Evan, it was Evan and Pat who were like really like trying to sell me on it. But I was like. You know, it's like this is like a meme game. Like, just a bunch of people are playing it. I don't know. I don't know. It's early access. Eventually, I mean, I caved in. I booted it up. I didn't really get it like the first couple of runs. Then, like, you, when you get like that one good run, it's like, wow, this is this is video games now. <laughs> wow, that is this, a, is, this video is video games. games. That is high praise, my friend. Yeah, no, it's yeah. They really, they really got it. Um, it's like it's a bit wonky and broken, but it is three dollars and like. It's got, it's not like, a, it's probably already got like crazy clones of it. It's like when threes and 2048 were coming out like years ago, right? And like suddenly everybody had a tile game for, for phones. Mm. So Vampire Survivors. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Can't wait for the finished product. Can't believe it's not even finished yet. Oh man. It's just the, the, it sounds great. It sounds really, really good. You like it so much you were playing it during our own video game stream when you were meant to be streaming. <laughs> <laughs> You meant to be yeah, with me I had a good run were, going. Yeah. yeah, you were playing vampires and in the background. I was like, I was like twenty minutes in. I was like, I can't stop now. <laughs> As for me, I've been fulfilling a very, very long time coming. A, a thing I've wanted to do for a very long time. I have been reading the works of Lord Dunsany. Uh, Lord Dunsany is this really kind of obscure but very well respected pre-Tolkien fantasy author. Uh, I've been wanting to read his books for ages, but they're horribly out of print. They're very, very hard to get. In fact, um, oh god, when I was like a kid, I found a copy, and it, it must have been in like the the antiquarian section of the library, right, where you have to make an application, and then you can only be in there for like a couple of hours, and you have to wear gloves and a and a mask and stuff back before you had to wear gloves and a mask fucking everywhere. Mm. And I found a copy of his, a hardcover copy of his books in there. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, I'll just, I'll make an application. And the library called my dad. And the thing you have to know about my parents is that they are, to this day, openly resentful about having a little nerd kid, right? They wanted a normal kid. They wanted like a jock. And they got Mr. Story Verisimilitude. <laughs> And I don't know why they called my dad. I guess he must have been my emergency contact on, like, my library card or whatever. And they were like, your child has no right to request to see these books. Reprimand him for wasting our time. Or, or <laughs> I don't know what they actually said. <laughs> that was prob the, probably something along those lines. All of which to say, I have wanted to read Lord Dunsany for many, many, many years. But denied the opportunity. Yeah, well, it's all just in the public domain. It's all just free online, um, and it occurs. to me... You hate to read online, though. I do, but uh, it's that or nothing, and I have been thoroughly enjoying both The Gods of Pagana and The Elf King's Daughter. 
It is really interesting to see someone who was writing fantasy at like the turn of the previous century prior to to Tolkien and someone who had a lot of the same influences, who was familiar with a lot of the same historical anecdote uh, uh historical anecdotes, historical stories and and precedents and languages and things but came to very different conclusions as to how to turn it into a modern novel it's very metaphysical i think if you're one of those people who very much prefers the silmarillion to the lord of the rings you you would absolutely love Lord Dunsany, it is very much that kind of thing that Tolkien would do as well, where he's trying to recreate this idea of mythology, this thing that has existed in in human culture, but which comes about naturally, and he's trying to kind of recreate that feeling of faith, that feeling of of being part of a story that's much larger than yourself. And I, I really wish I could kind of wipe you know, all of my knowledge of literature from my brain and put myself in the shoes of a person from 1905 who doesn't know what an elf is and has never heard of J.R.R. Tolkien and all of this other stuff um, and kind of read it from that perspective. Um, but I'm enjoying it immensely. You know, the, it, modern fantasy, like, is very much either directly influenced by Tolkien or you do, like, a George R.R. R. Martin where every element of your story is the opposite of what Tolkien did very consciously so very obviously so and this is like n- neither thing it is it is really just fascinating to me every aspect of it and I'm sorry that it took me this long to just break down and read it online because I'm enjoying the shit out of it it is it is tickling my brain both as a as a lover of genre fiction and as someone who is interested in books and the history of them and the the craft of writing so yeah lord dunsany i i would recommend both the gods of pagana and the elf king's daughter uh, if you are so inclined the gods of pagana is way more metaphysical it's much more of like a a tale of gods that feels is meant to feel like it's been handed down through oral tradition over the years and it's it's it's, it's weird and it's different and it's interesting and i like it a lot you that yeah, I was uh, I was trying to, I was trying to think of how I was gonna flip. Like you know, well that's uh that's Inaki being tickled over there. Anyway, <laughs> time to wrap up the show. If you like what we do, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash anygamers. You can check out bonus episodes there. You can golden ticket us. I'll give you three light novels for a mere $5. You can have us read your favorite series. You can have us revisit something. You can have us read anything at all that you would like that's a light novel. And I think that's a pretty good deal. But even if you don't want to contribute to the Patreon very sincerely thank you for listening this is a labor of love for the two of us sometimes it's a little bit more labor than it is love and we appreciate that people people like it and people enjoy it and if you're listening to us now when we blow up in like two or three years you say like <laughs> i was there from the start uh, i was mark, there from the beginning mark, i'm day one mark your calendar people the 22nd of july 2024 the day the end game is book club goes viral and blows yeah. up you can say you i mean Jesus and Mero broke up so we're the next ones on on a docket right we're gonna get our own showtime show (laughs) (laughs) and if you like the two of us doing stuff together you probably really enjoy the small bean video game stream that we do every weekend 
Uh, it's Sunday that's morning. Wild. That's wild. Like, that is completely off the cuff. Like, no no censors, no nothing, no editing. Mm, no, no, no point, no central thing to talk about. Just, you know, breezy. The regrets come after what we've said. <laughs> uh, grab a drink, sit down, chill out. And yeah, it's a good time. We, we enjoy doing it. We have our sister podcast as well that's on the Patreon. That's uh, us trying to write a light novel about Ryamu from the Idolmaster. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm working. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm putting words. I'm putting words in. I know I gotta send you stuff. Just send you. Yeah, and, leave, me um, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, David and I do a lot of stuff together, both with AG and separately. And you can, you will get at, you will know all of that if you just follow us on Twitter. I'm at sign alive in the wire. At sign QX two zero XX is me. Another show. That's I think the that's show. The that's the show. That's the show. That's the show. Stay valid, Kings. Stay valid, everyone. <laughs>